the Monday Rewind. Wayne Rooney for United, and he's made a 3-0! And he just goes to the corner flag and faints a little bit of boxing movement, and that of course relates to the little video that emerged on YouTube this morning. There's a few mates um, in a private house which um, I somehow managed to go front page of uh, the national newspaper, so um, after set that up, um, it was me and a few friends um, joking around. They did to us, so we did to England two weeks ago. It's just a really disappointing place to, to lose the ball. You, you know, even if you don't get your mall set up, if you end up on the ground, at least if you have the ball, you're, you're five metres away from their line, you're having a crack at them. So to lose the ball and then to give away a penalty to allow them to clear their lines was, was disappointing and, you know, big momentum changer. There's no excuses with regards, you know, missing players or anything like that. There's no pain talking about that. We had the players out, we had out, and they're all part of our panel. So we heard well the first of us, half the game, but not well enough. For, for the rest of the game. Just to clarify, a senior player didn't breach the rules, but Davy and Nicky did. 110%, 110%, and that's said did not. Guys, I've said now what I'm going to say, and that's it. If you want to talk about today's game, I'm more than delighted. I've said everything, that's it. There's not, you're making the deal over, not me. Um, Welcome to The Rewind, coming up more on everything you just heard, plus Dave McIntyre talks with Manchester United midfielder Michael Carrick on yesterday's 3-0 win over Spurs and the race for the Champions League. Plus, we hear from Shane Long after Southampton's one all draw with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Now, speaking of the Champions League and the chase for it, Manchester City and Arsenal still involved in this year's competition, albeit just about. They need miracles to go through to the last eight. Can they do it though? We'll talk to Raf Diallo of Team 33. As well as all that, there's rugby as both the men's and women's teams look for championship titles in the RBS Six Nations and we've got hurling and football. Jamesy O'Connor, Ken Hogan and Michael Walsh will dissect the Division 1A matches. Plus, we hear from Clare's Davy Fitzgerald after a weekend of some disruption, although he denies that there has been any disruption. He also denies there's double standards within the Clare camp. Let's start though with Michael Carrick who spoke to Dave McIntyre after Spurs lost 3-0 to Manchester United at Old Trafford yesterday. Uh, Carrick was actually among the goal scorers. Michael, is that as well as the team have played this season, the 41st, 44 minutes since Louis took over? Um, I think in the context of the game for how important it was, um, the quality of the Tottenham team then probably was our best performance. Um, I think there's been signs throughout the season we've been improving in certain areas and, and we feel we're getting better um, but today probably the all-round performance was, was, was pretty much there um, second half was slightly different to the first but at the same time we were in control and, um, and obviously we had the three goal cushions so um, all it was all difficult we, is it almost that human instinct kicks in and in some ways it's it's virtually impossible to keep that kind of tempo and intensity up with a three goal lead for 90 minutes yeah, we certainly set out second half, leaving the change room and going on their second half. We, we were determined to start quickly, start again on the front foot. Um, it doesn't always materialise like that, we, you know, because you've got to manage the game and understand the situation in the game as well. Um, and they weren't, they, they weren't sort of hurting us at all. We, we defended well enough, and, and we had a couple of opportunities ourselves in the second half. So um, yeah, we can't be too disappointed with this with the second half. After all, we, we were in control of the game. You don't get in the score sheet too often. We were live here last season at the Fulham game, the 2-2 game. As far as I can recall, that, is your, that was your last goal, which is a full yeah. 13 months since your last one. Yeah, yeah. And a headed goal too. That's even a rarer yeah. for yourself. It is very rare, headed goal. So um, it was nice to see it go in. It was nice to score. Um, yeah, it's been a good day. Overall, do you think this changes the complexion of the Premier League table? Clearly for yourselves and Tottenham, but... 
there's talk now that you're, you're actually looking up rather than just the, at the teams who are coming up behind you over your shoulder two points behind Man City surely that is a real, very realistic target now particularly given that they arrive here in three weeks time yeah we've got some we've got some big games coming up um, we've always been looking up we've, we've never been looking behind us we've always been looking up um, of course you know the season's been a little bit up and down at times but we've, uh, we've, we've always believed we've always stuck at it and um, yeah, we've got some. Listen, we've got some massive games coming up. No, no bigger than next week. Um, so we'll get ready for that and see what happens. Your own fitness, Michael. You, you, this is the second layoff you've come back from this season, and and similar to the first one, you seem to be able to just slot in, and it doesn't really look like you've been away. Has that always been something that you've been able to get through in your career? Not one of these players necessarily that takes five or six games to really become 100% match fit. Do you know what? To be honest, I haven't really been injured that much throughout my career. So I've never. This is the. This is by far the the, the most games I've missed in a season. Um, so I haven't really been used to being out and coming back. I, mean, I missed the odd game and um, a couple of weeks here and there, but nothing like I have in a season. It was three months at the start of the season, and it was pretty much five, five, six weeks there, just coming back now. So um, something new really for me. Um, so far it's been alright when I've been coming back but I don't want to be getting injuries to have to come back again <laughs> Finally Michael last question on, just on Maron Fellaini because I thought it was a special moment when he was substituted this afternoon Old Trafford to a man and woman a child stood up and gave him a standing ovation it's quite a turnaround from a player that was so maligned last season and maybe seemed to be the scapegoat in many ways for United's problems Yeah it's, it's, it's great for Fellaini I think he's um, you know, showing what it's all about really he causes teams awful lot of problems we, we've been on the other end of that through, through the years when we played against him and we know his strengths and, and, and the damage he can do to teams and um, he was terrific today you know he, he really was and um, he, he's, he's had a good season so uh, he wasn't the only one last season who who sort of had a difficult year you know there's there's there a lot of players that, that did and uh, we've come through that now and, and, and bigger and better things do you think this might be maybe a defining game in United season? There are now nine games remaining and this is as well as you've played. Maybe this is what you could take on now to the tests against Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, Everton. Huge games coming. Yeah, listen, we're not getting carried away. We've, we've, we've played well today and we've won, but um, there's big games coming up. So um, it's just about it's about next week. You know? It's all about Sunday now. And we take a lot of confidence from today because it was a good result and a good win. But... Um, Next week's the now is the important one. It's very good to just stop. Thanks for your time. Right, yes, thanks. This is the rewind. That's Manchester United's Michael Carrick. United fourth, one point behind Arsenal, while Chelsea are six points clear of second place Manchester City. Shane Long started for the Saints in Sunday's one-all draw away to Chelsea. Afterwards, Long spoke to off the balls match day commentator Nathan Murphy. Listen out, by the way, for a John Terry interruption. In my opinion, they're definitely going to be the league winners. You know and They've, they've got win, match winners all over the pitch, you know. And even you see the substitutes that come on, you think, oh, here we go again. But, uh, you know, um, there's Hazard, Oscar and William. You know, they get the ball to feet and it's, sometimes it's impossible to stop them. So uh, it took a, a big team effort. Running <laughs> <laughs> a bit. It took a, a big team effort to to hold out, you know. Obviously a few unbelievable saves from Fraser and, uh, as I said, Ritterock at times. But I, I think we deserved it. And, from the performance we played a nice little compliment from John Terry as he's walking past he, you ran him ragged and having a player of John Terry's stature say, even just say something like that obviously something that you have a big smile on your face now you can take a lot from that yeah yeah we have a, we have a good battle you know and um, we'll give it to each other on the pitch both ways and then afterwards we, we shake hands and say well done and all the rest of the season and um, you know our, I think he's used to me by now he, he knows what's coming so uh, yeah hopefully I, I, he feels like he's, he's been, been in a hard game today
we spoke to Stephen Ward on the show on Friday and he obviously had an injury problem and he hadn't been playing either. He got a few minutes last night against Manchester City and saying that this match against Poland is just two weeks away. You need to be getting back and proving to Martin O'Neill you're ready. Has that been on your mind over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, he obviously rang me after uh, after I got the injury to, to know how I was feeling and how long it looked like and um, you know, I managed to come back earlier than expected. And I've been around the squad since and coming on off the bench and obviously starting today could could do me a few favours, you know, but... um. There's still a bit of time. There's another game to play, and hopefully I can get one or two goals and uh, you know put my put my position forward for for the Ireland team. This is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Shane Long speaking to off the balls Nathan Murphy. Southampton sixth, one point behind fifth place Liverpool, who are away to Swansea on Monday night. Coming up later, Raf Diallo talks about the Champions League, and we'll hear from Keith Wood on the RBS Six Nations. Ireland still with the chance of winning both the men's and women's championship. Let's look back on hurling first. In Division 1A, Tipperary recorded their biggest win over Kilkenny since 1964 with the 2-22-113 victory in Thurles. After the game, I spoke to former Tip and Kilkenny players Ken Hogan and Michael Walsh. First though, let's hear from the managers, Eamon O'Shea and Brian Cody. Uh, look, I mean, uh, I suppose the first half, um, we got an early goal and they replied fairly quickly and for a while then they kind of took over to threaten to kind of um, put a bit of daylight between us. But we settled very well and we got back into the game. The last probably seven or eight minutes before half time we kind of um, you know they just tacked on a few points that um, were important it was a strange second half I think there was no score for a long time maybe 15 minutes or so and we had a couple of chances of goals even and that we didn't take them and the rest of the second half went and kind of just filtered out really um, it's the best uh, there was no, no doubt about the result you know certainly the, the better team won and that's it Physically, they were on top. Their intensity, I suppose, was that bit better in the, the second half and they won all the primary possession. What do you put that down to? Is that because you had a lot of younger players out there or guys who wouldn't have quite the experience that they did? Or what do you put it down to? Uh, it's hard to say, really. I mean, that's the way the game went, I suppose. They did win an awful lot of them, I suppose, 50-50 ball and that. But that's, that's the way it happens sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I, there's no excuses as regards, you know, missing players or anything like that. There's no pain talking about that. We had the players out who we had out and they're all part of our panel, so... Um, and today we just weren't um, like we hurled well the first of us half the game but not well enough for, for the rest of the game Three losses in a row is there kind of a consistency throughout that or is there one or two things going wrong that has happened in all of those games is it something you can put your finger on and something you can correct It's a consistency about results that I wouldn't be kind of um, hoping to have for much longer to be honest about it um, No no look I mean I thought last Sunday we, we did well um, we were competitive um, against Dublin who would be disappointed with how we played Today we were decent with the first half and it will be disappointed with the second half probably. But that's, that's as it is at the moment and um, uh, we'll just keep it going and we have a game next Sunday against Clare and that's an important game and we'll just get ready for that one. Eamon O'Shea, great victory, well done. Ah, well I wouldn't say a great victory, I'd say it's a victory, you know, a good performance from a good, good work rate and uh, you know, I think, uh, I think that's, that, that's all you can ask. Was that the difference in the end, the work rate, the intensity and the physicality and the options the lads took? Ah, yeah, we... I, th- I thought we kept our performance up from last week and uh, I think that was the, m- the main thing just to keep your performance levels at a, at a reasonable level and uh, that's what you're looking for. You responded very well when Kilkenny got a goal in the first minute. Shamie Callan showing his maturity with a cracker of a finish and it was well worked as well. Yeah, we, we, do, we, uh, we did. We responded well after the first goal. Yeah, I, thought it was, I thought it was a good response but you know, we're, we're working hard to, 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 to keep our level, levels up and uh, you know, many leaders around the pitch so you'd expect that to be honest with you. you know, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be praising it too hard. You'd expect the team to be able to respond to, to, to goals. You know. 116 to 1-9 you led yeah. at half time. What did you say to the lads and 
what pleased you most about that second half display because Kilkenny only got four points. Yeah, well, I think, I think uh, you know, I think it's not what I say to the lads, it's how the lads uh, think about the game themselves. And, uh, you know, I think they reacted well. And, uh, you know, we talked calmly about the situation at half time and improvements we had to make in the second half. So it's pretty, pretty down to their decision making, really. And uh, I, I thought their decision making was good. You know, I thought, I thought, you know, we lost a bit of shape in the second half for about five or ten minutes. We, they got it back themselves, and uh, you know that's that that that's what you'd hope for. Yeah, the first half of the second half, your forwards kind of fell out of it, but then they played their way back in. Yeah. How important was that, and how did that come about? Because it's it's something that maybe that has happened to you in, in a few big games that forwards have fallen out of it and haven't been able to get back in. But today they did, and they have done consistently in the last three games, which you've won. Yeah, I think they, no, I think they've got good confidence and uh, in 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 trying to in trying to know that the game is seventy minutes long, and if you have difficult spells, every team will have a difficult spell and to know that that spell will end and uh, you know the confidence to know that that spell will end and uh, to work hard during, during that and uh, I, think, I think that's what they did, you know. I know it's a pretty obvious question but does the win, win, does the win mean more because it's against Kilkenny? Um, I'd have to say no, to be honest with you. It was, a, it was a league game today with two points against Kilkenny, you know, uh, but you know, if we get six points gets us through, I didn't care where we got the six points. The performance was good today in terms of that was the most important thing. You had no control over a win. If, you know, just, just I think that was the most important thing that we had a consistency of performance. You know, I don't think it has any much relevance for any other games. But in the terms of the team's development, I think it was, it was good to get consistency of performance. Just one more, sorry, Paul Kern. He got a bad knock. How is he? I think it's an ankle, an ankle injury. So, uh, but I'm, I'm. He was, he was fine. He was fine in there. Uh, but, but it may be, it may be some weeks. I'd say. Well, joined in Thurlis by Ken Hogan and Michael Walsh. Michael, formerly of Kilkenny. Ken, formerly of Tip. Michael, I'll start with you because we've never quite seen that from Kilkenny before, have we? Been absolutely dominated physically in a game. Even when they lose, they tend to step up. They didn't, especially in the second half here, losing 222 to 113. Only four points in the second half. Yeah, that's, that's the disappointing aspect of it. I, you know, I think coming down today, maybe people thought that Tip would win today. Uh, I, I myself felt before the match that it would have been a much tighter contest, I have to say. And even at time, I was saying that Kilkenny, you know, come out strong in the second half. And they did for about five minutes, but then it just all fell apart. And I think the most disappointing aspect, as you say, is that, you know, there's, there was only scoring four points in the second half. And the over-reliance on Richie Hogan is absolutely, you know, it's there for everybody to see. In the first half, he had scored all Kenny's points. Ken, what was the difference with Tipperary today? Because we've seen them bring physicality and work rate and all that against Kilkenny before. But previous to today, they'd only won one in their last 11. So what did they do today that perhaps they didn't do in other games? Or was it down to the fact that Kilkenny just weren't quite up to the mark? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, Tip always have played well against Kilkenny. They haven't finished the games. Kilkenny have the forwards to finish the games. Those forwards working on the pitch today, the Owen Larkins, the Richie Powers of this world, Henry, all these guys working around. Tipper are well aware of that, you know. We've got to look at our side of point of view from the guys like Ronan Maher, uh, Mikey Breen, Sean McGrath who was introduced again today after winning a Fitzgibbon medal today, Jason Ford. These are all young guys in the block. Brendan Maher not playing as well as he possibly can on the half-back line or, or midfield, but having said that, use a leadership role and hopefully Patrick Maher will come back into the fray and we'll release Brendan from middle of the field or half-back line. But overall, I think uh, Tip psychologically, this was a big win for them because they finished the game strong, they finished well, they put Kilkenny away and we needed to do that and it had to happen sooner rather than later. We've seen in the past, Michael, that Kilkenny targets certain players and they isolate them. 
Seamus Callan has been one of those players, but he made himself get into the game today. And he was up against Paul Murphy, who actually played well, even though Kilkenny as a team didn't play particularly well. But he made things happen, Seamus. Not only did he get a goal, he created a goal, and he did some things that maybe we wouldn't have seen him do in the last couple of years. Uh, well, I think that, that thing was buried last year, uh, Oshin. Uh, Seamus Callan had a fantastic year last year. In any other year, he would have been earlier of the year. It's just that Richie Hogan's exploits, just and Kilkenny winning the All-Ireland, uh, just outdone him for that. I think that day is well, well gone. He's now a le big leader in this team. And in fairness to Paul Murphy, I thought he had a great, great battle with him. And yeah. Callan's class shines through, but Murphy had a great battle. I must remember he was under ferocious pressure from the amount of ball that was coming in from outside. From outside, and I think you know, Kenneth said it like you'll, you'll see, you know, five different forwards plus Richie Hogan. I think you know, come championship time, they're great players. Owen Larkin, yeah. you know, Colin Fenley, TJ Reid, Richie Power, they've all come back into the fray, and maybe Henry as well. Have Tipperary solved their ball winning problem in the forward line, Ken, or are there still question marks? Well, I think uh, you have to look ahead from every point of view. I think uh, obviously versatility is very important. We're playing Brendan up front at the moment. Uh, Bubbles has been played on the wing, he's usually a corner man. Bubbles is well able to win his own ball. I think it's a key component of any forward that, that can win their own ball. Bill O'Mara has come into the fray. Bill is well capable of winning his own ball. And these are the forwards we need. In a way, I'm sort of happy that Patrick Bonner is not around uh, for the few games because it gives other guys an opportunity maybe to, to get in there and stake a claim because we cannot rely on him come championship, particularly in Crow Park, to be winning the dirty ball on his own. So Bill, who had a you know, checker uh, last year because of the fact that he was injured, guys like him, guys like Jason Ford, and particularly, I suppose, the new guys on the block, the John McGrath and the Mikey Breens, these are guys that are well capable, after winning a minor All-Ireland, to stand up on their own and win that dirty ball. And Michael, just before I let you go, I assume the big red panic button won't be pressed in Kilkenny despite this uh, loss. And the fact that it's now three losses in a row under Brian Cody for the first ever time but I, I guess there's kind of circumstances that allow it isn't there? Yeah I think so I think it has to be taken into consideration like that Kilkenny have been weakened but you know Tip, Tip are missing six of their All-Ireland team as well but yeah. I think you know the players that Kilkenny are missing are absolutely you know really really top class and they're all basically at the one end of the field as well so when these fellas come back I think you'll see a completely different team and I, I think as you said in, in a report there yeah, Kilkenny are def definitely still going to be there thereabouts. Michael Walsh, former Kilkenny goalkeeper, and Ken Hogan, former Tipperary goalkeeper, speaking to me in Thurles, where Tipperary beat an understrength Kilkenny, although the Premier were actually missing some players themselves. Pierce Stadium now in Galway lost 217 to 20 points against Cork. Paddy O'Sullivan with both goals for the Rebels, while Joe Canning and Cahill Mannion each scored four points from play for the hosts. Now results elsewhere meant that both teams actually qualified for the quarterfinals yesterday. So let's hear from Anthony Cunningham who spoke to Sean Walsh of Galway Bay FM. First though, it's Jimmy Barry Murphy. Yeah, it's a very difficult venue always for Cork teams. Yeah. Our record isn't the best here. Um, so I'm very, very pleased about that. I suppose from, my, from our own point of view, first of all, we want to preserve our Division 1 status. Yeah. That's key for this team developing and the games are fantastic. So we're delighted about that and also we've qualified as well, I believe so. That's great for us as well. Great for the team going forward. Some people are questioning our performance against Dublin not getting goals. It never worries me because I think it'll always come when you need them if you're good enough to get them and if you need them. I thought Paddy Sullivan took them great. A great goal poacher and you know, they were crucial today. The surface is difficult now in fairness. They've done their best with it but it's very difficult and a lot of sand on it. So look, we're just delighted to get the results. And I thought our lads showed great character. Went two points down and I thought that was a great sign that the lads stayed to come back and you know, even though we didn't play as well in the second half as we'd like certainly some of our wides and some of our option taking was very poor. And that's something we've got to work on, certainly, if we're going to be really contenders. But I'm very, very pleased with the progress we're making. Goalman manager Anthony Cunningham, that was a hard defeat to take, wasn't it? <laughs> it was very close there in the finish. Uh, you know, I thought a draw would probably be the yeah. fairest result, to be honest. But uh, 
you know, it was good good comeback for us there and a lot of you know, a good a lot of good hurling in the second half and then were spots as I said there really with our finishing at times and maybe our defending at times that we'd have to get better at um to have championship ambitions, but it's well well we're well capable of, of doing that. You almost came back twice in that second half because you got back to go ahead, then conceded the second of two poor goals defensively, but you came back again. Yeah, we had defended this second goal quite well and you know, a bit of a loose pass out and uh, then had to come back from that again and uh, you know at the death there, you know, two two great chances mm. and uh, clear as clear up. Was it Jason Flynn deemed to have been in the square to get the touch? Was it? Or? Yeah, I, I thought that the ball was still within the yeah. square, and uh, you know, obviously it wasn't. But uh, you know, that was their call from umpires and, and referee. And I thought, I thought with uh, in the balance of play that uh, yeah, you'd, have, you'd have seen a lot of uh, referees and a lot of matches called, and the green flag waved with that. In Ennis on Saturday, the talk pre-game was all about Davy O'Halloran's comments to the Irish Times that he and Nicky O'Connell were punished severely for breaches and discipline, but a senior player was left unpunished for a similar offence. O'Halloran claims they were caught going out before a match. Now, he says they weren't drinking, but says the punishment was very, very, very severe. Now, I should say punishments rather than punishment. Amongst the punishments, claims O'Halloran, they were made train away from the squad. They were not allowed to talk to any other squad member. They couldn't wear any of the squad's gear and they weren't allowed go to matches. Now that article and what O'Halloran said uh, to Eamon Donoghue was pretty much dominating the pre-game chat. Uh, but the game itself came along and, you know, you have to remember there was a game of hurling to be played and it was a cracker. Dublin losing 2.22 to 2.20. That's despite the fact that they were playing 14 men for the bulk of the game after Brendan Bugler was uh, sent off. 1-9 Tony Kelly scored. What a week it was for him because keep in mind he was front and centre as the UL beat WIT in the Fitzgibbon Cup final last Wednesday night in Porky Rain. Anyway, after the game, I spoke to Dubs boss Jerk Cunningham, but first, banner manager Davy Fitzgerald, who was pushed on the disciplinary matter. That, by the way, is all followed by the analysis of James O'Connor. That's a good win, yeah. Delighted with the win, but nothing I didn't expect. A man sent off in the first half. You really rallied in the second half. You kind of had an intensity that perhaps we hadn't seen this year and pulled it out of the bag. Um, yeah, like we went down six points so many times in that game, seven points even with 14 men and um, sure it's serious, that, listen, that's their in them, so it is, they work very hard and I think the last game or two they've probably got a bit caught up in themselves, like we've watched the Tipperary game a number of times and um, it's mistakes we made, I said that straight after the game and that's it, you know, but I suppose you guys and other people have to write stories and there's not, nothing we can do about it, but as I said to the lads, there's no point. We don't need to listen to stuff or do whatever. We just concentrate on our own thing, and we're an honest team, so we are. Um, we still have stuff to improve on from today, and, and we will, you know. But the only panic there's out there was guys that want to create it. That's all, yeah. you know. He accused you of having a double standard. I assume you're referring to the Irish Times article this morning when you say stories. What do you make of that? No, I'm not saying anything about any of that. So I'm not. People can write what they want to write. There's no problem. Um, no hassle with that. Will you have a chat with them? No. You no, I like it. Listen, the bottom line is, um, and this is the only thing I'm going to say in this, um, we as a management will be very fair on what we do. There is rules there. That's it. And listen, I am very, very happy that we've done everything correct, and I know the players are as well, that they're very happy with that as well. And um, the bottom line is, the lads aren't bad. They're, listen, they're good lads, and I wish them all the best with their clubs going forward and fair play to them. So just to clarify, a senior player didn't breach the rules, but Davy and Nicky did? 110%. 110%. And that's all I said, did not. 
the okay. punishment stalled out to those guys? Did that, did that happen? Or? Oh, guys, I've said now what I'm going to say, and that's it. If you want to talk about today's game, I'm more than delighted. I've said everything. That's it. There's no, you're making the deal over, not me. Slammed. No. By who? By you? By yourself. You're the, the I just addressed the deputy there two seconds ago, sir. With, with That's it now. Is there anyone else that wants to say ask him? You were very calm on the sideline all the way through. Do you think that kind of calm flowed, flowed to the players because they look composed as well? Yeah, like, as, as I said, I, we, have, we have a rule which is we do our own thing, we keep our heads down. I, I think you can see the way the players are about each other and the way are, they are about myself and that. Like, we all just gel very well together, so we do. And um, there'll be good days and bad days. Like, we have no divine right to win Everton Lenton. Division 1 is a very tough division and they could go either way. Like last year we won games by the skin of our teeth and they could have easily gone against us, you know. So that's what happens this time of the year. And I don't know, as I say, and next week, the week after, we could lose the next two. I don't know. The only thing I will tell you is I know we're going to be competitive, please God, when the summer comes. That's what I want to be, is competitive. David, do you have any regrets about any of the events of the last, uh, the last while? Do you, I mean, is there anything you regret about that, the, the episode concerning the... Guys, I've answered the question and I'm not answering it again. Tony Kelly is certainly in form. A great Fitzgibbon Cup final replay during the week. Six points. I think he ended with 1-9 or something like that today. How important is he when he gets going? Yeah, well, like Davy and Tony were losses early on. But, you know, that could happen during the year. You could get a loss of any player at any time. Um, Tony's playing well um, last last few games. A fair play to him. You know, he's a, he's a good player. But they're all that way, they're all giving their all, so they are in, you know, like today is a win, but we won't get carried away. We still have a lot of work to do and we know that. Ger Cunningham, Dublin manager, have you lost a game you should have won? We lost a game, fortunately, whether we, whether we should have won or not is another situation, but we put ourselves in a situation where we, we to win the match. Um, you know, we came today, we, we put up a, a very good performance in the first half, we, we took the game to Clare. Put ourselves in a good situation uh, again and then got a goal in the second half, again went back up ahead. And, uh, you know, uh, but... I think clear and fair and some, you know, they, 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 they were under pressure for probably a result today. They probably, they needed it more than probably we did and whether that made a difference or not. But in that kind of, that, that middle, middle period of, of the second half, like they, they got momentum and we were struggling to, to contain them. And they got some, got some great scores as well, like, you know, as, as they do, you know. And uh, again, they, you know, they came from a couple of points down to go ahead. And, but I think in fairness to our fellas, they, they stuck with it. And, uh, you know, we maybe had a couple of chances at the end to maybe get the goal. But uh, that's probably was disappointing that we put ourselves in a situation to win the game and didn't. The spine of your team, for the most part so far this season, between Walsh Cup and Allianz League, has been quite impressive. When you lost Michael Carton at fullback, how unsettling was that? Because it was after that that Clare really got into the game. Now, they did improve, they did step up, but it certainly didn't help your cause. No, no, Mike, he's been very good for us like, all, all, all through the league. In fairness, he's been very solid fullback. He gives a good, uh, plenty of experience inside there. You know, it was unfortunate when you lose one of your experienced players, you need other people to come in and stand up. Uh, you know, so you know, we it's a it's a panel game. We, we you know, it's not about any one individual player. Uh, it was unfortunate you got injured, and it looks like that it might be out now for a couple of weeks. But um, you know, th th these things happen in a game. You're going to get injuries, and you have to be able to respond and recover. Galway next week, you'd want to bounce back for that because there wasn't much wrong with your performance for the most part today. I mean, two twenty away from home, it's not a bad score, regardless of how long Clare were down to fourteen. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? We've we've been getting good scores. You know what I mean? We we we've, we've we're, we're hitting that kind of target all through the matches. One game to go, we're down. If we get a result next weekend, we, we qualify for the quarter-final. And that's doing, that, that was the target. We said, you know, that was always the target. It's a very tough, very competitive league. The results are going up and down. Uh, you know, we're in a situation where it's in our control. Uh, we get a result next week against Galway, and we're in the quarter-final. James O'Connor, we saw what I would say was such a clear performance in the second half. And keep in mind, they were down to 14 men for the entirety of that after Brendan Bugler was sent off. 
Yeah, um, and some huge, I suppose, individual performances. Um, you know, for Clare, Tony Kelly obviously got the, the crucial goal, um, but he really rolled up his sleeves in the second half. Colin Galvin powered into the game. Uh, you know, Conor McGrath thought worked very hard, got some got some good scores, and yeah, I suppose. When you know serious questions um, were asked, um, you know the leaders in that clear, clear team stepped up and uh, and delivered, and you know it's a hugely important win um, in the context of what happened this week. Was it a case that Dublin just couldn't shut them down, or is it a case that when Clare do what they did today, played the Clare game under Davy, they're kind of unstoppable given the talent they have and the intensity they play at? Yeah, well, I think Jar Cunningham would probably be disappointed because you know Dotsie's goal appeared to put Dublin back in the in, in, in the driving seat, and with the extra man, um, you'd have felt like that they would have been able to contain the uh, the clear forwards. But Shane O'Donnell was 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 a threat all through. Um, you know, okay, he didn't maybe put the get the individual scores, but he you know won a couple of frees, and you know he always looked dangerous when Clare could get him on the ball. Um, I think Dublin as well, you know, didn't get the performances out of uh, you know Peter Kelly probably at the back um, that they would have uh, that they would have liked and. You know, I said they just seemed to struggle to contain Clare. Um, you know, with the open space that Clare had with that with that extra man in the second uh, in the second half, and I said Kelly for the crucial goal drifted all the way in from midfield. David Reedy did really really well to find him, and um, I suppose ultimately that was a, the, the the pivotal score and win of the match. Has to be said that Dublin lost their fullback Michael Carton. Now that couldn't have been a help, even though traditionally that wouldn't have been his position before this year. He seems to have solidified things back there. And it, they just looked porous at the back. They just looked a bit bedazzled when Clare ran at them. They did. But look, you know, obviously he's an experienced player. Um, you know, Keno Callahan, funny enough, did play fullback um, on Shane O'Donnell, and um, you know, did okay as said, in, in, in maybe difficult circumstances. Um, I thought Paul Shute played played relatively well. Um, again, Danny Sutcliffe was another was one that maybe Dublin would feel they, they, they possibly could have got more out of. But you know, Rush was a, was a threat at full forward um, you know when they could get him on the ball I mean I think he finished with you know if, if we give him a crediting with that first goal he probably finished with 1-3 or 1-4 Dotsie can be happy with his contribution again I think 1-3 1-4 from, uh, from play but once Clare you know seemed to take a grip on the game uh, Ushin in the second half um, Dublin just couldn't find, seem to find a way to stop them that by the way was the cheer of the fans as the Clare players went into the dressing room so they appeared to be very much behind this team and maybe the manager as well which was up for debate, I suppose, given the story that appeared in the Irish Times today. Yeah, and there's no question but that the Clare players played for played for the jersey and for the manager in the uh, in, in in the second half. And sometimes, I suppose, you know, I said earlier to Ger that you you know you can't brush all this stuff or sweep all this stuff away under the carpet. But sometimes, um, you know, I said there's there's more made out of these things than than, than is actually the, the the case. And you know, I, I said to Ger earlier that listen, get a win today and and go to Nolan Park, get a win next weekend, and suddenly it it it, it, it turns the whole year around and people are talking about you know. A, a, a different agenda so I think um, is that it was hugely significant in the context of all that happened this week that Clare got the victory this afternoon This is the Rewind on News Talk that was James O'Connor speaking to us in the aftermath of Clare's amazing 2.22 to 2.20 win against Dublin over the weekend Still to come Keith won on Ireland's loss to Wales in the RBS Six Nations and what we have to do against Scotland next weekend but first football Kerry overcame Donegal 2.13 to 2.11 in Tralee, while Tyrone lost 2.10 to 17 points at home in Oma to Cork. Monaghan overcame Derry, uh, while Dublin had a big win over Mayo on Saturday night, 2.18 to 10 points. That means Cork are top two points ahead of second place at Mayo. Monaghan are third, Kerry are fourth. There are three games remaining. After the Kingdom's win over Donegal, Eamon Fitzmaurice, the manager, spoke to Radio Kerry's Gary O'Sullivan about the victory and what he hopes is... Not a serious injury to Brian Sheehan, who rattled over six points, five of which were from place balls. I think everyone improved, everyone upped their performance. Um, 
management up their performance, the lads up to every player up to his performance and uh, no, we were just a good bit better. We might be a small bit disappointed the way we didn't close it out again, you know, we were hanging on a small bit at the end where it, sh it shouldn't have really needed that but, um, you know, there's plenty of time to be working on stuff like that, especially after winning the game. No supporters will be wondering about Brian Sheehan's injury. First of all, what's the nature of it, Eamon? Um, he got a bang in the ribs so we're hoping it's nothing too serious. He was in a good bit of pain but... Um, Hopefully it's nothing too serious now because in fairness to him he was he was outstanding there in the first half and he was really on. He kicked some great frees and um, a great score from play as well. So um, hopefully now it's not too much of a setback for him because um, you know when he's ahead of steam up like that you'd like to see him keep going. When he's really on song, really, I mean he's a joy to watch taking those frees, isn't he? Oh, he's the best. He's the best in the business. Simple as that. Um, you know there was a very tough breeze there in in the first half. He was kicking into a tough breeze and. Uh, a couple of the Donegal fellas were chirping at him and standing very close to him and everything, but it didn't phase him at all. He's very experienced and obviously technically excellent and uh, kicked some brilliant, brilliant frees there really for us when we needed him. And certainly around the middle, I mean, you lauded midfield more than Maher and Johnny Buckley had probably the best game in the league so far, I'd say, today. He did. Look, Johnny, he's a fantastic player. He's very honest. He works so hard for the team. He's probably playing the position. You know, he's a natural midfielder and um, he, he, he plays in the wing for us and does a fantastic job there. So uh, it was great. And you know, I don't like sing singling out individuals yeah. because all of the lads really put their shoulder to the wheel today, and um, it was it was you know, like I said, great to get two points in the board now. And finally, Eamon, the way things are going, I mean, everybody's beating everybody else. He beat or Mayo beat Kerry, uh, then Dublin beat Mayo last night, and he beat Dublin. So it's it's all to play for still. Of course it is, yeah. And you know, we knew that was the way it was going to be. And uh, you know, on a given day, every team can beat each other in this league. It's very competitive. Uh, standard is very high. Um, you know, for this early in the year, teams are a good bit down the road. So, um, you know, every point you get in the board, it's great. And we're, we're in a good position now with six points in the board with two games to go. But um, we have to try and keep the momentum going now in two weeks' time again. In Division 2, Kildare slipped to a 2 12 to 24 points loss to Roscommon at home, while Galway were defeated by Cavan in Pierce Stadium, 12 points to 10. The Tribesmen have now lost two and won two. Here is manager Kevin Walsh speaking to Galway Bay FM. Very disappointing, yeah. Um, I suppose the performance itself is disappointing as well, you know. I mean, it's much the same result as last week, but you'd have to say last week that, you know, we were very dominant all over the field. This, you know, today today looked a little bit lacklustre, but look at this. You'll have those things, you'll have the ups and downs, and probably if we'd taken last week's points, this, week, this week's points wouldn't, wouldn't be as, as, as crucial, but that's where it is, you know. This, the safety net is out the window now, and uh, it's about learning going forward. Yeah, we had a very good first half, but then we made very difficult weather of it in the second half. Yeah, and I think you know they probably got to grips in a lot of vital areas of the field, and then they're quite good at coming off the shoulder, which they've always been good at. Um, but you know, look at looks like we looked a little bit flat there today. Um, whether you know, like maybe last week it's something to do with it, the fact that we left the two points behind last week. But you can't think that way, you know. Um, it's a case of uh, getting back on the horse and 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 uh, going at it again now. Yeah, losing a home game is always hard to take. We have another home game next week. I had the game against Leicester in Chum. I'm sure you'll be hoping for some kind of re-spark on the Galway side. Yeah, and you saw what Leicester at the moment. I mean, they they were they were brilliant against Common, and and again again last night, 11-4 down and coming back to draw the match against a good Wheaton Mead team. So that's going to be really really tough. But you know, at the end of the day, we have to get our own side right in the dressing room and. and uh, Lads have to learn from 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 what goes on, and maybe maybe we're just a little bit safe there today as well, and maybe we could have gone forward a bit more with the ball rather than coming back at times. But look at that's that's where it is. Um, we have to deal with next week now. Kevin Walsh speaking to Kevin of Galway Bay FM. There, this is the rewind on news talk still to come: the Six Nations and the Champions League. But first, uh, Team 33's Joe Coffey. 
joins us to talk about Mayo. Joe, of course, uh, not just an association football follower, but also a big GAA fan. Joe, the reason um, I'm bringing you in is because you were actually in McHale Park on Saturday night to watch Mayo collapse against Dublin, 218 to 10 points, the final score. What on earth happened? Well, I suppose we should start off by saying it's Mayo's heaviest defeat at home since the 1950s. So that will put in perspective just how bad a beating this was. Um, When you look at the problems in the team, I think that starting off, Mayo started with Alan Freeman and Aidan O'Shea up front. Two players that are over six foot, so you would expect Mayo to kick high ball into them with the expect looking for them to win the ball and pass it off. And in fact, that's how Mayo got their first point was a quick ball into Aidan O'Shea. But... Uh, the mistake they made well this this mistake Mayo made they uh, persistently hand passed the ball for the duration of the first half which meant that you know they were getting caught up in the Dublin half back line no ball going into the full forwards so Aidan O'Shea ended up coming out into midfield and then sometimes going back and forward so he, he didn't even know what exactly what position he was meant to be playing and then when the changes came in the second half we saw Mikey Sweeney come on uh, he'd be one of the smaller players and then they started kicking ball in so it, it felt like Mayo uh, were playing the target man approach but that they hadn't actually practiced it they're, they were, they're not actually practicing it in training because this is the third week in a row playing with Aidan O'Shea as the target man uh, and yet this week there was no high ball in um, so you have to wonder w- what the idea was there why weren't the players kicking the ball in early and what is it about Mikhail Park that's twice now they've lost in the league there this season the first time to Tyrone who drew with Dublin last week and the second time, obviously, this game on Saturday night against the Dubs. Yes, well, I suppose the Tyrone game was similar to the, what Dublin found. When, you have, when you're when you coming up against a wall of defence, it can be hard to find your way around, particularly in a tight pitch like uh, Mikhail Park. Yeah. Um, and like the game against Dublin, they tried to play around it rather than playing over it. I, I was actually at that game. And they didn't do what you should do against that stick of Donaghy type and O'Shea type, whichever. Yeah, and management didn't react in the Tyrone game. But then when we saw Aidan O'Shea moving into the full forward line yeah. in the next two games, we are like, well, they've learned from this. But then they used it against Dublin, the, the, Aidan O'Shea's target man, but it didn't work at all. And there was no reaction on the sideline to the issues in the Mayo team, which were... You see, there were so many problems. A lot of it was not marking yeah. men. Players looked heavy. Like There were so many players that just looked visibly very, very tired out there. I, I mean, at one stage, Johnny Cooper ran unopposed from defence to attack to kick a point from Dublin in the second half. And you just have to ask, where was the man marking him? You know, when you see things like that happening... It sounds like they're a bit confused at the moment because it's hard to get an old manager's game plan out of your system, especially when it was so embedded. Yeah, well, uh, uh, listeners familiar with Mayo will know that James Horn had uh, brought in a, a high. A, it's, it's almost a court press where everyone pushes up onto the, the full, the half back line and the full back line. So that, say, in days of old when Mayo would have taken on Dublin, Stephen Cluxton would have had to kick the ball straight into midfield because he would had his uh, his half backs would have been taken up. Um, in the first 15 minutes on Saturday night, we actually saw that where he continuously kicked the ball into midfield because he would ex- he was expecting Mayo to push up on, on the Dublin defence, which didn't happen. So about 15 minutes into the game, Cluxton was kicking the ball, realised this and started kicking the ball wherever he wanted. Mayo, are, are, they appear to be taking a much more defensive orientated approach this year and that's seen them concede. Up until Saturday night, they'd only conceded two goals, whereas if we went back last week, last year, they had conceded something like, at that stage, six or seven. Um, and I think when you have when you're bringing in a completely new game plan, it does take quite a long time for it to bed in. 
So I would hope that some of the reason why we why Mayo were destroyed so badly was there just there is such confusion yet about what players are meant to be doing because there seems to be a lot of players out there that yeah. aren't particularly sure on what their job is meant to be. Well, it's not all bad. They're still second in the league. Looking at the Dublin starting 15, it's what I'd call a championship 15 almost. I'll just go through it very quickly. Cluxton in goal, Culligan at fullback, O'Carroll and McMahon either side of him. And the halfbacks, McCaffrey, O'Sullivan, Cooper, Brady and Bastic in midfield, Flynn, Connolly and Kilkenny in the half forwards, then McManaman, and Rock and Bernard Brogan in the full forward line. Mostly what you'd call a championship 15. The only name that kind of jumps out as not perhaps a championship starter is Tomás Brady. He is a former Dublin hurler. He's been through the ringer regards injury, but he stood out for you on Saturday. He was well. He was man of the match. He was amazing. Um, he was involved in everything. He like that was the reason for Dublin's onslaught in the first half. They just won kickouts after kickouts. If they weren't winning Dublin's kickouts, they were, well, they were winning Robert Henley's kickouts. Um, and it, it, it's been a ma- going back for a second to Mayo. That's proven to be a massive problem for Mayo, and that their new midfield partnership of Aidan O'Shea and Donald Vaughan's not working. But if you look at Dublin's Championship 15, there, um, they knew going to Mikhail Park that you know they would expect Mayo to be one of their main rivals. So it was no surprise to see them line off with such a strong starting 15. Um, they, if they lost that game, they were in a relegation battle, whereas now they can look forward to most more than likely competing in the semi-finals. Um, but I would expect them to revert back to a more of a mixed type mm. of team. Uh, they're in Crow Park next time out, I think, against uh, Derry. Derry, yes, yeah, we're going down. Uh, who are look like they're relegated at this yeah. stage. So I'd expect Dublin to revert to more of a mixture, more, more uh, exper- experimentation in the next game. Just before I let you go, who do you like for... Uh what is tomorrow's game, depending on what time of the week you're listening. If you're listening on Monday when this is released, then it is tomorrow's name. Schlott Neal against Cora Finn in the All-Ireland Club final in uh, Crow Park. Well, I'll be attending with a few of my Galwegian friends, so I'm going to have to say Cora Finn. Really? Yeah. Because normally, I have to say, I, I, I have some close friends from Galway and they would nearly do anything... Uh, but support a Mayo team is it is it is it different for Mayo people? Will you support a Galway team? Yeah, of course. Uh, for some, well, Galway people think that Mayo, yeah. um, you know, that they think there's nobody else but Mayo out there. But whenever Mayo go out in the championship, I remember when Galway won their All Irelands. You know, we, we yeah. were supporting Galway at that stage because it's good. That's because Mayo supports Galway's economy with the amount of you there. <laughs> well, that's also true. But look, uh, uh, any victory for Connacht football is good for Connacht football because there's not enough of them. And ju- uh, the hurling, oh, uh, the well, the hurling. Unfortunately. Bally Hale against Kilmallock <laughs> as a Mayo man what's your opinion my knowledge doesn't extend too much further we flip a coin here. hang on a second you have a coin uh, you're a Mayo man of course you don't <laughs> hold on I have a coin I have a coin here we go right uh, Harp is Bally Hale heads the 20 cent bit is uh, is Kilmallock here we go who is Joe predicting for tomorrow I'll go for heads yeah it's it's Kilmallock you think Kilmallock <laughs> will win Joe Coffey thank you very much no problem thanks Oshin this is the Rewind on News Talk. Rugby now and Ireland need to win by more than four points in Murrayfield against Scotland if they're to have any chance of winning the championship following Saturday's 23-16 defeat in Wales. Joe Schmidtside conceded 14 turnovers compared to the host eight, while their line-out success was just 67%. Keith Wood joined Joe on Off the Ball to discuss, but first, here's Ireland scrum half Owen Redden speaking with Kian Murtagh. They got off to a good start and, and played really well and defended very well when they had to and uh, we couldn't break them down, unfortunately. Uh, so it's a tough loss, but I suppose if they realise where we're at and, um, and know that the quicker we can move on and focus on next week, the better, because the better chance we'll have a winning if we can do that. You seemed to pick up the tempo when you got on and, and we started to get a bit of momentum, but just couldn't really finish off the chances that we created. Yeah, it's tricky. They scrambled quite well and... Um, 
probably weren't accurate enough at the breakdown at certain times and makes it tough, you know. Um, but credit to their defence, I thought they defended very well. It made it very difficult for us. So we'll have a quick look at that, you know. Um, it all comes down to basic things, really, that we're all able to do. It's just about being able to do them all the time is, is, is the tough bit. So, um, you know, as I said, though, like I suppose that'll all be with the view to next week. Uh, there's no point in, in worrying too much about what's gone. It's gone. You can't do anything about it. Um, and, you know, if we spend as much time as possible focusing on next week, it gives us the best chance of winning. Did Joe say anything to you or ask you to focus on anything specific when you did come on? Uh, well, look, messages are, all, are, are always the same, which is, you know, um, make sure you deliver your own job uh, very well, you know, which is in turn for me that would be passing and kicking and making sure you're accurate and trusting your teammates to do to do their job with that ball, you know. Um, so that's your, your, your attitude coming on, you know. Um, obviously, you know where the game is at and you know what we need, but... At the same time, you just have to keep keep the head and um, stay focused and try and do it inch by inch, you know. And uh, we nearly got there a few times, but we didn't um, today. And another day, hopefully, we will. The line-out seemed to have a bit of a malfunction today as well. Do you have any idea at this early stage what went wrong there? Well, I suppose it's difficult at this level, you know. Um, teams are very good defensively, and probably the you're probably used to the exceptional um, performance that we give in the liner always and you know we're a little bit off and it looks it looks strange because you're not used to seeing us winning or losing a single ball um, so Wales defended that very well today in fairness to them and um, I'm sure um, our lads will be able to, to sort that out and, and make sure we have a plan next week that um, that doesn't happen I'm often frustrated by Wayne Barnes and I was again um, uh, in, in that period of time and I, I wouldn't say exclusively from an Irish perspective but just in general I think at times the level of empathy that he has um, for what's going on and for the level of physical nature of the game and the contact I think he's blowing up or or showing a penalty just too quickly Um, 25 penalties over the course of the game yeah and that's just too many and it, it, you know what? If he looks and looks back in it, he can probably stand over every single one of them and say, "Well, that is a penalty." Um, but there has to be a little bit more of a feel for the game when you're penalising players for not rolling away in the second that they've made the hit. I mean, I I think that's that's frustrating for everybody to watch. You know, it makes it less of a spectacle um, and more of a of. Um, of a referee's show and it was a huge spectacle as it was because the level of intensity for the game was incredible but you know we weren't we were inaccurate and in the first 14 minutes we were inaccurate but I thought we were for the whole for the whole game and I know that Joe just mentioned there that that was the game plan that had worked and he was continuing to do so and that is true and I think it does work but the um, the things that were so right in the in the previous couple of weeks and you know we highlighted Johnny Sexton's accuracy a couple of weeks ago mm. um, that it was extraordinary coming out from three months off um, that accuracy wasn't there yesterday and it just shows you how fine the margin actually is and Wales were so comfortable in the air I mean it was really the first game of this championship where we've lost in the air Halfpenny Roberts North early on and we almost stopped kicking as much as we usually would yeah, I think we probably stopped kicking it, but we were kicking a little bit too long ourselves. They were kicking pinpoint accurately. Um, I'm not saying our chase wasn't as good. I just think the kick was a little bit too long, and it was often too long. Mm. So they were very comfortable when we were bombarding them, um, and they were doing very well themselves. You know, they are, they're a talented bunch of guys, and you know, I still would have expected us if if, if the kicks had been as, as as good as they had been that um, we'd have been competing for them better but um, I, I like Wales looked very comfortable and yet 
12 points down. Mm. Um, I still think that, you know, actually, I'm not panicking just yet and uh, think that we can we can build our way back in. And, you know, as Joe Schmidt highlighted there, we did make the chances and didn't take them. And um, uh, I will say, and uh, no matter what way you look at the game, I thought Wales were the, were the better team on the day. And I thought when they did get the chance to take it and they really only had one one real opportunity they took it very comfortably mm. whereas we'd been slogging for nearly 10 minutes in there 22 for the previous 10 minutes Yeah what's your take on those extraordinary passages of play in the Welsh 22 Wales made 288 tackles in this game and you read the stats we had 64% possession we had 66% territory we made over double the number of metres that Wales made but those moments which seem to go on forever in the Welsh 22 why couldn't we get over Keith? Well, I think the only stat that matters is that Wales won, and and that's where you can kind of fall down on the statistics. Um, I felt that Wales seemed to have a little bit more depth of their attack, both with forward runners and with their back runners. They run a bit more laterally than we do. Um, We had a huge number of short pick-and-jam type things, which, Mm. you know, they're, they're absolutely fine when they work. I still, um, you know, it is, it's one of the things I'd still like to see. We have some of the great ball carrying forwards, but um, taking them on the short little pops or pick and go pops, um, yes, it's tiring and very hard mm. and actually will break down most defences. But Wales were just not for breaking down yesterday. And now, I, I do think in that passage of play, which was an extraordinary passage of play yeah. on, from both sides, and... Um, Wales managing to push Ireland back outside the 22 was was pretty incredible and Ireland's composure and holding onto the ball was incredible. I do think Wales gave away three or four penalties in the midst of that mm. that weren't penalised. I was frustrated with that. Um, but I still you still have to compliment Wales with, with what they actually did and managed to, to turn it around. But, you know, there was a, guilt, a couple of guilt opportunities there where maybe because the call had been called for the the pop and go and you know ultimately Keane Healy knocked on mm. um, but that ball had to go out you know it, it required a pass behind their backs and shifted out to the wing we had numbers we had numbers there for 30, 40, 50 seconds yeah. which is an eternity So why uh, is, is that a lack of leadership in the back line that somebody didn't step in and demand the ball there? I don't know whether it's a, no I don't think so I think, well, I think in many respects the forwards are certain they'd score Okay. And I, I think they have done against other teams that relentless hammering away gets you the score, gets it under the post. There you go for seven points. Yes, you can go and do it. Um, and uh, whether it's just you're conditioned to the idea that that works normally, mm. um, and, and and the belief was was such that you know they felt they could go go through that and do that. Um, and it's very easy sitting in the studio and looking at a full screen and seeing everybody out there. And But still, I would go back to the fact of when Wales had their one chance, they took it and took it very well. Yeah. What did you make of our line-out, Keith? Line-out was, was very scrappy. Um, Any idea what was going on? Uh, I, I, I don't really. I mean, I, I thought Wales got up in front of our, of our jumpers very well. Um, and uh, you know it's for those throws when you kick into the corner like we had this with, with Chris Robshaw two weeks ago when you kick into the corner you want to have a guaranteed banker ball you get the ball in quick you catch it quick you get down quick and off you go mm. and instead um, um, 
they had Warburton just pushed in front of um, of Toner um, and it was one of those floated balls to catch, to drive. I don't like that type of throw. You'd rather a flat throw to four, even a very flat hard throw to the back um, that the ball would beat the player getting up in the air. But it was one of those ones that had to be threaded and that first one, it was an under throw. Um, and uh, you know we just seemed to lose a little bit of confidence from it then we lost the next line out and then when John Cronin came on we lost one at the end when they were important I thought Wales defensive line you have to give them the credit you know we weren't as accurate as we would like to be Mm. but you have to say that um, like Wales performance was was extraordinary and uh, Warburton said as soon as the game was over that it was the most tired he'd ever felt after a game and they're they're, you know, yeah. for the fact we had sixty four percent territory possession, you know, we were bludgeoning them, and they weren't lying down, you know, and um, you know, I think the better team won. Yeah, was it too much bludgeoning and not enough creativity or deafness? I think there could have been a bit more creativity, to be honest. You know, there. Um, uh, we we show, and we said all along that. Um, when the opportunity arises, we we do need to do something. We do need to attack a little bit more. But I would have. I'm not going to change what I would have said. I thought the manner in which we played needs to have been played at the same level. And I think if we played at the same level of accuracy, I think we would have won. Yeah. Um, it puts pressure on on those players to deliver to that level of performance. And I, I read in one of the papers that we've come to expect a nine out of ten or a ten out of ten from Johnny Sexton for us to play. Well, that's not going to happen all the time. And um, but it, look, it's not. Uh, let's not get too despondent with it or too over the top. Yeah. Um, we have won ten matches on the trot with that style. Bemoaning the fact that it didn't work on this occasion. Um, yet it could have worked if we'd been accurate enough, and it didn't. Um, does that mean we throw everything away? I don't think so. Um, I do think we need to have a little bit more of an arsenal, but it's only a small bit. But it's what we learn from it now. And we still have an opportunity to go and win the championship next weekend. Yes, yeah. So the players still know the system works. Execution is key. We didn't really execute very well yesterday and it's up to the players to respond as you would expect them to next weekend. It's half 12 Italy-Wales next Saturday. We're away to Scotland half past two. England-France is at five o'clock. England are plus 37 points. We're plus 33 points. If we finish both on the same points difference, then it comes down to most tries and England will beat us there. They've 11 to our four. So we need to overturn this four-point deficit. Absolutely. And so the the point for us is to go out, um, to win, to make, uh, you know, it isn't to make certain of a win, just... You know, you, um, but you need to try and pile points points on the board. So I think you'd be kicking for goal a lot. I think you'd be just going about the game as you should do to go make certain that you do the right job and and uh, you know get the points that you need to get. And I don't think Ireland have. Um, a fear of what Scotland might do even though Scotland scored a cracking try yesterday and are able to do different things but if Ireland are able to focus on what they do and do very well and are as accurate as they can be mm. you know then they'll be fine if we drift into into inaccuracies again or if we try and force things a little bit because when we were inaccurate yesterday we did force passes and force different pieces of play our structure seem to kind of dissolve a little bit because we our expectation is that we would do it right um, if we do that we're then under pressure but I think we need to concentrate on what we're doing um, it really 
really should be between Ireland and England at the end of this. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Keith Wood speaking to Joe Malloy after the loss to Wales on Saturday. Uh, just before we go, Raf Diallo of Team 33 joins us to talk about the Champions League. Raf, Arsenal start 3-1 down away to Monaco tomorrow night in the second leg of their round of 16 match. It is possible though that they could turn this around. They're more than capable of going there and getting a 3-0 win, but the, there are many things that maybe stand against them. Monaco are very, very good defensively, as we saw in the first leg. And also, leading up to that first leg in the league, they've also been very, very resilient. They don't concede a lot of goals. You're not going to see them really conceding three goals in one match. Although, as I said, again, Arsenal have the tools to be able to do that. Um, and I suppose the other thing that's standing in, in uh, you know, in the way, well in a positive way for Arsene Wenger, it's the fact that they're looking really, really fluent going forwards. And that was even evident at the weekend against uh, against West Ham. You know, Ozil looks in really good form. They arrested Kazorla, but he's been in fantastic form as well. And then Giroud seems to be, you know, the first leg, he was pretty pretty shocking, the amount of uh, bad misses he... Uh, you know, he put over the bar or wide or whatever, but um, he he's been he's been he's been on the goal trail, and then you know you're looking at maybe Alexis Sanchez is always capable of something, even if he's not quite at the same level he was pre-Christmas. So there's a lot of po- there are a lot of positives that you can draw from it. It's just I don't know whether Monaco will collapse to the extent that Arsenal would need to go through. But okay, you look as I said, you never know. What do Arsenal need to do in the second leg that they didn't do in the first? See, it's a completely different type of game as well now because the first leg, I guess, they could have, they should have been a lot more conservative. They were throwing people forwards when I suppose they 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 assumed there was no real goal threat from Monaco, and it turns out there was. Second leg's a bit different because they have to throw people forwards now, so they are gonna they're gonna be open to the counter. You know, they have to get three goals. There's no point kind of sitting back playing a conservative game plan or playing in a very very tactical way. You have to go forwards. So. Again, and that's where they've been caught out before. That's where they'd always get caught out. Well, Especially near, last yeah. season against the bigger teams. They yeah. lost heavily in some of those big games. So, yeah, you know, exactly. what does Wenger do to, you know, like, do you throw the, do you throw the dice they against just, a Monaco team who, who defend well but don't attack particularly well? They haven't scored a whole pile of goals. No, they don't score a lot of goals. And I know Dimitar Berbatov, I think he's only in the league, he's got about half, half a dozen goals or something, which, and he would be around, he'd be their top he's scorer. He's not an on-the-break striker, is he? No, no, he's not, although he did quite well on the break. Uh, Aside from that one game, <laughs> which he did well game. on the break, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, look, I, they have to take the risk. Anyway, I think the the thing is, the expectation is Arsenal aren't go, are, might go out there and win, but they're not going to do enough to get through. So there's less pressure on them, and maybe the risk might pay off. Wenger is the type of manager who will, who does like to take a risk, so who knows. What about uh, Manchester City going to Barcelona trailing? It's about as hard as it gets, isn't it? It is. Like when we saw the first leg as well, they got played off the park completely. You know, City aspire to be like a Barcelona, but they're, you know, they can't, they didn't, they didn't really lay a glove on them apart from the Aguero goal. Um, and, uh, you know, Barcelona should have, I think, the, everybody saw the Messi penalty miss and then the open goal that followed straight after. Barcelona should have been out of sight. Um, Barca have been in good form. They're back on top of the La Liga table as well. Um, after like they went, they won eleven games in a row. I think then they lost again, and then they won this weekend. So you know they're 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 in flying form. Luis Suarez is starting to score as well. They've obviously got Neymar as well. You know they've got a good mix they can mix and match in midfield you know but the only issue maybe Busquets is out so that's going to be one risk but maybe they'll just play Javier Mascherano further forward in defensive midfield it could be like 5-4 couldn't it because they're well okay you can correct me if I'm wrong here there is a 
a, a kind of label on Barcelona that they can't defend even if they wanted to. But is, is that unfair? Uh, I think they've, they've been defending better this season. Yeah. You look at their... They have the best defensive record in La Liga this season, which, okay, maybe it's a bit of a red herring. Is that because they have so much possession by and large, though? Pos- well, yeah. Possession, does, possession can be used in a defensive way as well in that if the opposition don't have the ball, yeah. they can't actually score. So that, uh, you know, that's probably where Barcelona were very, very successful under Pep as well, that even though they were they were always frail at the back, it never really got exposed because they had such domination of the yeah. ball that they just tire teams out and teams wouldn't be able to come back at them. But looking at this game, I still think, I think Barcelona will finish the job. I, they don't, you know, they're, they're not under so much pressure. Um, basically, uh, City have to score twice, so... I suppose the ball is in their court and you know Barcelona are much more proficient at the counter-attack than they would have been in the past so imagine City piling forward and then their defence not mm-hmm. being the best in the world company's not in form and you've got Messi, Suarez, Neymar going at them OK, Raf Diallo of Team 33 thanks for joining us uh, when can we catch up with Team 33 this week? Tuesday midnight Tuesday so Paddy's midnight. Day midnight for, Sorry, what day? Paddy's Day no, midnight No, no, no Call it by its proper name. St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much, Raf. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week. We're back next Monday when hopefully we'll be talking about a Six Nations Championship success for both the men's and the women's team with a reaction to the weekend's big Allianz Hurling League ties. Plus, we will be at Anfield for Liverpool against Manchester United in the Premier League. We'll have all the reaction to that game. It promises to be a belter. And you can hear it live and exclusive on Off the Ball this Sunday. It kicks off at 1.30. Remember, you can contact us at any stage during the week on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. Until next Monday, take care. The Monday Rewind. Wayne Rooney for United and he's made it 3-0. And he just goes to the corner flag and faints a little bit of boxing movement and that, of course, relates to the little video that emerged on YouTube this morning. There's a few mates um, in a private house which um, has somehow managed to go front page of uh, the national newspaper, so... Um, after September, um, it was me and a few friends um, joking around. They did to us, so we did to England two weeks ago. It's just a really disappointing place to, to lose the ball. You, you know, even if you don't get your mall set up, if you end up on the ground, at least if you have the ball, you're, you're five metres away from their line, you're having a crack at them. So to lose the ball and then to give away a penalty to allow them to clear their lines was, was disappointing and, you know, big momentum changer. There's no excuses as regards, you know, missing players or anything like that. There's no pain talking about that. We had the players out, we had out, and they're all part of our panel. So we hurled well the first of us, half the game, but not well enough. For, for the rest of the game. Just to clarify, a senior player didn't breach the rules, but JV and Nicky did. 110%. 110%. And that's all I did not. Guys, I've said now what I'm going to say, and that's it. If you want to talk about today's game, I'm more than delighted. I've said everything. That's it. There's not, you're making the deal over, not me. Ma'am.